helping students and healthcare professionals not just survive, but thrive with a purpose. This is the CMDA Student Pulse Podcast with your host, Bill Reichart, National Director of CMDA Campus Ministries. Well, welcome to another episode of CMDA Student Pulse Podcast. I'm Bill Reichert, National Director for Campus and Community Ministries here at CMDA. And I have Mitzi Roberts with me. Mitzi, welcome. Thank you, Bill. I'm so excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You are the area director there in San Antonio. Tell us uh, about your education. You went to Dallas, correct? Dallas Theological. I did. I went to Dallas Theological Seminary and uh, got my master's in Christian education and I've also been engaged in pursuit of some doctoral work recently. We're going to talk about a very special topic I know is near and dear to your heart, Easer Women of the Bible. And um, let me just, before we dive into it, what, what, why are you so passionate about this topic? Because I, I have heard you share this so many times in so many different audiences. Yeah, I've been doing women's ministry for over 25 years. And we collectively, not just women, but collectively as a body of Christ, we tend to study actually very few women. The women that we are most familiar with tend to be Ruth Mm. and Esther. And maybe Mary, mother of Jesus, is mentioned at Christmas. But by and large, we don't study women of the Bible. And we all find our stories in their stories, right? I can look at Peter and think, I'm impetuous like Peter. But if we don't know any other women in the scriptures, then we are our ability to connect with these characters, our ability to find our own stories is really limited. So I have a passion for pulling out more obscure women who actually made incredible kingdom impact that God used in such a variety of contexts, but they're hidden in plain sight. They may only get a couple of verses, but if if we dwell there, If we dwell there long enough, Bill, we can pull out some really valuable lessons about these women and we can build greater appreciation for the many ways that God used women and the men that they worked side by side with in order to grow a kingdom from the very beginning. I want to zoom in a little bit from this topic to the work you do with uh, student ministry. You are, uh, like I said, you're our CMDA's uh, campus, I should say, uh, area director with our campus community ministries there in San Antonio. Um, You work closely with students. Why is this topic, this subject, so important for the students that you minister to? Obviously, the students who are in medical school and dental school and all the other healthcare professional allied programs are incredible, really overachievers, right? They are at the top of their peer group. And yet I find that they don't know where their place is in the church today. A couple of years ago, I was using some of this material, actually the way this whole this whole study that I developed came to be was I was using a few obscure characters for a women's retreat. And one of my women students 
who grew up in the church. Her father's a pastor. Mm. And she approached me on a break and she said, how do I not know these women? Mm -hmm. How do I not know about them? How do I not know about Holda, the prophetess to the king? How do I not know that Phoebe is the woman that Paul sent to Rome to teach the church in Rome the most important letter he ever wrote. How do I not know these? Mm. And it rocked her world. So as a result of that, I've just continued. Actually, what she said to me was, Bill, and this is what crushed my heart. Mm. She said, I was okay being less than because I thought that that's what God's will for me was. Mm. This is a woman who was studying to be a physician, but in her mind, her place in the church is less than. Mm. So often we paint a box of what the ideal evangelical woman is supposed to be. So by learning about the variety of characters, these women that are hidden in plain sight and the various ways God used them for kingdom purposes, Mm -hmm. I really believe that it is liberating. It is Mm -hmm. freeing to see how some women really, shall we say, served God outside the box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're stressing certainly the importance of Christian women to be able to see themselves in these characters. But suffice it to say, the things that we learn from these individuals go well beyond just gender. I mean, if you're man, woman, all of us really benefit from learning and hearing and understanding these tremendous uh, women of faith, correct? Absolutely. Paul writes in his uh, second letter to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable right? Is so that we may be is for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that every man, woman, and child of God can be sufficiently equipped for every good work. So if any of us, men and women, are unfamiliar or don't know about these women, then we're lacking something. Mm-hmm. We're not fully equipped. And so many of these women worked hand in glove with God-fearing men, to build greater harmony. So our, our, when we learn about them working side by side together, I think we look more like the kingdom brothers and sisters, the siblings that we are called to be. I introduced our time together to the easer women of the Bible. Explain mm-hmm. that term. Well, that comes out of Genesis 2.18. Genesis 2.18 is the place where God tells the man, I will make a helper. Mm. I will make a helper. And the word ezer is the Hebrew word that we translate into English as helper. Mm. But too often that word helper in English does not really convey the fullness of the meaning in Hebrew. And it's highly significant that God uses this Hebrew word of himself to describe himself Mm. over 16 times in the Old Testament. Here in Genesis 2.18 is the only place that he actually uses it for people. And with one rare exception, and that is for uh, an, an army. But when we think of God as a helper, we think of places in the Psalms where David says, I cried out to the Lord, my ever-present help 
in a time of trouble. We would never diminish the help of God by communicating it's somehow less than, right? right? So this word easer in the creation of woman actually conveys that God created her as a strong helper or as a strong rescuer, a strong power in the same way that he describes himself. So as men and women are both equally bearers of God's image, Mm -hmm. there are unique ways in which women reflect attributes of God. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those ways. We are all created in the image of God. Some of us reflect his image more accurately, but there are unique ways in which women can reflect the image of God and how men can reflect the image of God. Well, let's do a deep dive on maybe uh, an example of uh, some of these women that are less lesser known. You, you've kind of alluded to several of them, but maybe uh, draw out a, a one or two and maybe let's do a deep dive. Let's explore a little bit of their life. I would love that, Bill. I'd like to take you to um, Exodus, the first chapter. Okay. The first chapter of Exodus. So Moses wrote Exodus. Mm-hmm. And so he is taking us backwards historically. And so in Exodus chapter one, beginning at the eighth verse, he says, now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Mm-hmm. And he said to his people, behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we come. Let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And in the event of war, they also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. And they built for Pharaoh storage cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and the more they spread out. So they were in dread of the sons of Israel. And the Egyptians compelled the sons of Israel to labor rigorously and they made their, their lives bitter and with hard labor in mortar and bricks and all kinds of labor in the field. All their labors, which they rigorously imposed on them. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of which was named Shifra, and the other was named Pua. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and you see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. And if it is a daughter, then she shall live. Mm -hmm. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and let the boys live? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, they are more vigorous. And they give birth before the midwives can get to them. (laughs) And so God was good to the midwives and the people multiplied and became very mighty. And it came about because the midwives feared God that he would establish households for them. Then Pharaoh commanded all of his people saying, every son who is born, you shall cast into the Nile and every daughter you are to keep alive. Exodus 1, 8 to 22. Okay, so this story is not about Moses and it's not about Pharaoh. 
This story is about these two Ezer women that Moses wants to honor by bringing attention to all of Israel, how they were instrumental in preserving the nation. These two women were incredibly, incredibly courageous. And I call them courageous and pro-life easers. Mm. They literally are strong rescuers, right? They are strong rescuers of baby boys. So let's set the context here. We have this tyrannical, homicidal, infanticidal tyrant, Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh is a title, not a personal name, just like Mm. king is a title or emperor is a title. So Moses actually goes out of his way here he intentionally does not name this Pharaoh because naming him would give him more significance. Moses is actually diminishing Pharaoh by not naming him, but he does name Shifra and Pua. He preserves these two women's identities for all time by including them in this incredible story. Of course, first, Pharaoh enslaves the children of Israel, right? So he's trying to kind of exterminate them, genocide here, and yet that backfires. So imagine, imagine for a minute what these two women would have thought and experienced when they are called into the throne room of Pharaoh. Mm. They have no reason to trust him and every reason to fear for their own lives. And he gives them a direct command. Now, it is sometimes challenging for us as 21st century Americans to fully appreciate the imbalance of power that's going on here. He is a dictator, he is a tyrant, He is significant, they are insignificant. He's actually considered a demigod Mm. in the Egyptian culture. And so he gives them this direct command to either strangle or to uh, suffocate all the baby boys which are born. And make no mistake, opposition to life is always hatred of God. Mm. Opposition to life is always hatred of God. And so these two women courageously make a decision that they fear God more than they fear Pharaoh. They fear God more than they fear Pharaoh. These two women are probably really young. Hmm. They're not yet married. So they're probably women in their mid-teenage years who have been trained It is possible that they are a little older than that, but the fact that they don't have households yet of their own would indicate that they're probably young women and they're probably leaders. It's unlikely at this point that because the population of Israelites is big enough that it's unlikely that only two women can serve as midwives to this population of nearly 2 million people. So they are likely leaders in their own right. So they would have to be working and 
enlisting the support of other midwives in order to preserve these baby boys. So they probably do this for a couple of years before they're caught (laughs) because an infant is a lot easier to hide than a toddler. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty likely that they preserved baby boys, that they were strong, easier rescuers of baby boys for maybe two years before uh, word gets back to Pharaoh that there are baby boys being born among the Hebrew slaves. So then he calls them in a second time. Bill, I ask you, what on earth could they have thought would happen when they walked into that throne room, when they're called in again? They're probably thinking they're going to meet their death. Absolutely. They have lived with this probably fear of being caught Mm -hmm. for a couple of years. And now they have been, they have every reason to believe the same man who wants to murder baby boys is ready to murder them as well for defying the command he gave them. But God, but God Mm -hmm. puts this hedge of protection over them. And they say, we try We really do. We try to get to the Hebrew women, but they are just different than Egyptian women. They just squirt out a baby before any of us can get there. And this Pharaoh buys their story. How surprised must they have been? I can't imagine as they walked up the stairs to this palace being escorted by guards and they are walked into the throne room and they have a state of mind where they are ready to die. And the Lord gives them this word and he protects them. And so Pharaoh goes to his third plan and that is to enlist all of the Egyptians to throw the baby boys into the Nile because that's a clean and convenient way to execute or murder somebody because there's there's no evidence that's left. And the Nile God is just hmm. the giver and taker of life. So if the Nile God lets the baby boys die, then obviously that's the will of their God. So these young women face so much danger, life-threatening danger. But their heroic resistance contributes to the flourishing of the nation of Israel rather than the extermination of the nation of Israel. Mm. Think of the scale here, Bill. We've got Pharaoh, who is an Egyptian, the world power, the most powerful nation in the world at the time, and Hebrew slaves. He's a king, they are peasants. He's the enslaver, they are the enslaved. He is a man, they are the woman. He has full palaces and they are without households. He's an all-powerful demigod and they are insignificant. But in God's economy, God-fearing slave women assume a far greater importance than a powerful tyrant like Pharaoh. I mean, 
they are acknowledged by name and he is relegated to to be forgotten. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's highly significant that Moses names them. And because this is the beginning of Moses' birth story, yeah. implied is the fact that they are the literal deliverers mm -hmm. of Moses, the deliverer. Wow. He is giving them credit for preserving his life. Mm. And as an extension, he, be, of course, he helps preserve the nation of Israel by bringing them out of slavery. What I love of what you've done is taking a narrative that it'd be so easy to just plow right through and you'd miss these women so easily but you've really unpacked a beautiful story of courage and boldness and fearing God over fearing men. So the question now is, how does this apply to us? How do we take this narrative that can seem so ancient, so in the distant past, how do we bring it forward and apply it in our lives? Say, what difference does it make? It's the typical question biblical scholars always need to ask at the end, so what? What does this do for us? These women are incredible role models for us mm. of courage in the face of power. Mm. And I'm so <laughs> incredibly proud, for example, of the advocacy work that Jeff Barrows and, mm. and Nicole and their whole team do. I think of them as modern day uh, Shifras and Puas, mm. right? They advocate against powerful lawmakers on behalf of the unborn. So one of our most important takeaways is recognizing that the fear of God restrains evil. Mm -hmm. Most of us are not going to live lives that endure in the history books. But when we recognize in God's economy that these Hebrew slave women peasants mm -hmm. are more powerful are more significant than an evil tyrant, mm -hmm. we can find our story there. We can glean courage to face whatever wrong we're facing. Mm. We can learn from Shifra and Pua to fear God more than we, than we fear mankind. Mm. So that I think is an incredible lesson to take away from this narrative. That is a story that we continue to hear with our medical and dental students. In fact, I just heard a story this weekend of a student that took boldness and courage, decided to fear God and not fear men, and uh, took a stand. And it it was going to cost him. And it did cost him. But at the end, God, in his way, redeemed it and used it for his glory. But it was, needless to say, it was, it was, it was a sacrifice for him to put himself out there. As he, as he did. And there are countless more stories like that. We see our students being asked to, uh, to, to stand up and be counted. Yes. And it's important for us to remember, because as you rightly said, Bill, we can quickly go through this mm -hmm. narrative without pausing to really dwell mm -hmm. there. And Shifra and Pua did not know the outcome right. when they were called into Pharaoh's office. Mm -hmm just like the students you're describing, they chose to fear God more than whatever that outcome would be. Right. In fact, they probably braced themselves for the worst possible outcome. Courage costs us. Mm -hmm. 
there is a high price to pay to be the kind of courageous people mm -hmm. that Shifra and Pua were. Courage costs the student that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it can cost our physicians in their practices right. on a daily basis as well. Well, this is great. Well, I know there are more Ezer Women of the Bible that we could talk about. And you've put this in a study that you use with women, don't you? I have. And it has evolved over the last few years because every time I teach this material and every time I get a response from people telling me I never knew this character or I never took the time to actually think about mm -hmm. what that character's contribution was to the kingdom of God. So I have I have developed it into a 14-week study okay. um, with a lot of these women characters that are hidden in plain sight. And I have made it available just upon request. So I would okay. love to provide that for anyone who is interested in first either personal study or small group study. Well, to so those that are listening, we can put that in our, uh, in the show notes, that information, and make sure that they can get in touch with you and upon request uh, get that study because uh, uh, I think uh, for the – yeah, I was going to say the women listening, but really, as we talked earlier, it's not just for women, but for our students, our professionals that are listening and wanting to enter, you know, to learn more and, and, and unearth these rich stories of women that, I mean, you've shared a couple of them uh, with me and, you know, there are a couple, yeah, some that I've, yes, I could definitely recognize. Then there are some that I'm going, wait a minute, now where are they? <laughs> they, it, it is fun to discover these, these rich characters, these, these are women in the Bible and their stories. And the beauty is we have the scriptures so that they are not lost to us to this day. And that, that's a beautiful thing. And so it's a great opportunity to, to learn more about them. So thank you for doing that. My pleasure. And Bill, I appreciate the fact that you are highlighting and recognizing that Shifra and Pua stand as role models for women and men. Yes. We all can benefit from yes. their story of courage in the face of, of great pressure and danger. Most definitely. Well, thank you again for joining us on this episode of our podcast. And, and again, for the work that you are doing in San Antonio, you are such a blessing to, I know many, uh, and I'll say women, because there's a discipleship element that you invest in, in, in our intentional and pouring into lives of many women uh, that have come through the San Antonio ministry that just love you to death and uh, are grateful and blessed by your work and your, your ministry there in, in their lives. So thank you, Mitzi, for all that you do. My pleasure, Bill. I'm so proud of the CMDA family and to be able to be a part of that. Before we conclude our podcast, I'd like to share a couple of things that you need to know. First of all, mark your calendar. May 2nd to the 5th, 2024, is CMDA's National Convention in the beautiful mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. Simply go to cmdstudentlife.org slash NACCON to learn more about how to register and information on student scholarships because we want to make sure that there's nothing that's going to hinder you from joining us this coming National Convention, May 2nd to the 5th, in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. 
Also, don't forget, if you want to find the Pulse podcast via our video version, you can go to our YouTube channel. And that is found CMDA Student Life at YouTube. And we have all of these audio podcasts in a video version right there for you. And to keep up with the latest information and resources, you just need to have the Student Life app. If you haven't done so, download it. You can get it on your smartphone. The app is for both the Android and the Apple. And that will keep you up to date with not only the most important information, but resources that will be right in your pocket. Devotions every Monday and Thursday come out on the app, as well as group Bible studies and... The Student Pulse Podcast is found on the app as well. So check that out if you haven't done so already. Download the app, set up a profile, and you'll stay connected with CMDA. And as always, you can follow and like us on all of our socials. We're on the Instagram, the Facebook, and X, formerly known as Twitter, finding us at our handle, CMDA Student Life. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of CMDA's Student Pulse Podcast, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Bye now. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. CMDA's Student Pulse Podcast is a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the organization. CMDA is non-partisan and does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on Student Pulse podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members.